0: Maybe you heard about it, maybe you didn't. John Drennan and Daniela Anthony had the perfect Instagram engagement a little while back. Uh, Just a few months ago, actually. It was almost the perfect Instagram engagement. Uh, In December, they traveled from Great Britain to uh, Central Park in New York City. And uh, John popped the question. And uh, Daniela tearfully agreed and said yes, and and he put that ring on her finger. It wasn't sized yet, but it was. They still they are strolling through Central Park and then through Times Square, uh, and as they're holding hands and walking along, um, the the ring uh, got bumped off of her finger because it was too big, and it fell down into a. Great there in the uh, sidewalk uh, in, in New York City in Times Square uh, Closed caption cameras actually caught it Go ahead and go to that There's, uh, I know it's a little fuzzy uh, Maybe you saw this on Inside Edition back in December They're trying to find it They're looking down in there Trying to figure out what's going on um, there's, There are just a few reasons I think Why you would get down on the sidewalk in, in Times Square That's probably one of them But maybe only one of them Um Uh, they uh they they looked around they they as you can see they just kept uh digging down in there looking they couldn't couldn't find it couldn't see it contacted the authorities uh talked to the police they couldn't do anything about it and they literally went home back to england empty-handed they had lost this uh this important important thing have you ever lost something anybody yeah only three of you that's all right okay I mean, I hate to lose things. I I don't do it very often, but when I do, it drives me crazy. Especially if it's something that's important or something that I. You can go on to the next thing there. I think we've probably seen enough of them uh, doing that. I don't know. If it's something of value or something that I use all the time, uh, then uh, then like my wallet or my keys or my phone, then it's just man, it's just crazy. Uh, some people are are more prone to losing things than others. I I've seen, and there's kind of an increasing uh, uh, market for uh, things that you can place on the things that you're you li- you're likely going to lose. I think it's called Tile. Have you seen those where you you stick it on your key key ring or you put it in your backpack or I mean, students with your back, you should probably have your backpack all the time but I guess if you, if you uh, anyway, then it talks to your, your app and uh, you can literally, it'll tell you as you're getting close, it's kind of that game that you play, hotter, colder, hotter, you know, hot, you're getting warmer, getting warmer and you can actually find this thing, like, you know, and, and then it's attached to your keys and you found what was important. Uh, I mean, they, they uh, it, it literally, you can, uh, it talks to the, uh, the World Wide Web, right? And anybody else with that app, uh, if, it, if they walk near your device and it picks up the signal of your device, then it'll send you a little thing and say, "Hey, uh, it's in this area because this person walked by." And they and and it, I mean, it's just amazing. Um, it, we tend to lose things from time to time. I mean, I think it's just it's just a truth of life. Things get lost, right? Uh, the other day, Nick and I went to Walmart, and uh, one of one of our favorite pastimes. Can I lie in church? I bet I shouldn't. Um, One of his favorite pastimes, maybe I should say And uh, we got lucky, man We got second spot right to the right of the doors We parked in there, you know And we went in and got our stuff Came out after we bought our stuff And that spot right there As we came out the door, second one We even had talked about it So I knew right where we were parked And that spot was empty I lost my van I knew, I knew that no one was going to steal my van, uh, because I know my van, but I lost, now, I didn't really lose my van, um, I came out a different door than I went in, and, um, and it was right where it, you know, I had to press the button, and it starts honking at me from over there, and I had to, I'm I'm becoming that guy, I think. I I hate to admit it, uh, I hope not, but uh, I'm not the only one that loses things. Some of you testified to that. I mean, things get lost, even big things get lost. Scientists tell us that there are multi-million dollar satellites in space right now that are lost. I mean, the guy that was in charge of that satellite going to his supervisor and saying, oh, you know what, I misplaced this thing, sorry. I mean... Probably could have gotten one of those little tile things and put on it, right? In the... A few years ago, uh, you probably remember there was an airliner that was lost. Oh, everyone on board. Um, I have a theory about that that involves aliens and time travel, but I really can't let you in on all the details. And I can't prove it, sorry. Things get lost, like it or not, things get lost Even important things It it, it happened in the Bible It actually happened to the Bible Maybe you you, you remember this uh, story in 2 Kings chapter 22 uh, King Josiah was was having the temple remodeled And kind of cleaned up And and while they're doing it, the high priest discovered The book of the law They'd actually been living life as the people of God Without the Bible to instruct them And and so, so they hadn't really known what God said And so the Bible had been lost And so when Josiah heard the law He tore his robes in grief Uh, Then he vowed right then and there in front of everybody uh, He made a covenant, renewed the covenant Between God and God's people And what was lost was found just just an update, I didn't tell you earlier, but they, they, the police did end up finding Daniela's ring in the grate in uh, in New York City, and uh, they, they had left, thought it was hopeless, they didn't even leave their name and number, but uh, they tracked him down over in England, uh, they literally, maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't, they literally appeared, they called him back and they appeared on the Ellen show, and uh, they re- reunited with their ring, he proposed again, She said yes again, uh, and it's, uh, I guess, what was lost was found, and it was a uh, a, a reunion of sorts. In John chapter 20, Jesus himself appeared to be lost. Uh, We just talked about it a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday, right? Mary couldn't find him. She went to the tomb, and uh, the stone had been rolled away, and the tomb was empty. Where she had watched him be laid in the grave, now he's gone, she couldn't find him. Uh, Peter and John ran and looked and then they returned without any answers and all the disciples were confused and, and, and then they're all gathered in this upper room and, and uh, Jesus appears first to Mary and, and then later to, uh, to the disciples uh, gathered in that upper room and it was a beautiful scene as Jesus spoke peace over them and, and, and showed them his wounds and, and they rejoiced that what was lost is now found that Jesus was in fact alive. Maybe it was the stress of of the disciples' last few days, or or uh, maybe just their crazy delight that Jesus was back. But but the disciples appear to have missed something important in that whole conversation. We get that because in the next chapter, although Jesus appeared to them and said, "Hey, I'm here, I'm back," right? Uh, they, they they said, "You know what? I'm uh, Peter." Says, oh, "I'm going to go fishing." I don't know. And they seem to have missed something, and and we see them back doing what they had been doing, and kind of depressed and, and and dejected, and and not really sure what's going on. So so. Uh, seems like they missed something important so I want us to look at that so we don't miss something important I want us to look at just a few verses there in John chapter 20 as Jesus appeared uh, before the disciples in that upper room in John 20 verses 21 to 23 he says this peace be with you as the father has sent me I am sending you Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. I... There's a lot there, really. It's only three verses, but there's a lot. There. I mean, did Jesus get, just give us the power to forgive sins? I mean, that sounds pretty impressive, right? Uh, and in fact, we many times I think we get so caught up in in verses 22 and 23 that we maybe bypass verse 21. Uh, we're lured in for the with the power of acting like God, and we maybe bypass the humble serv- uh, humble service of being sent like Jesus. That, that simple sentence, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In saying that, Jesus calls us to radical living. Jesus offers us a vocation. He, he offers us an ethic, and an, an example to imitate uh, that we're to find those who are lost. But I, I think maybe we've, uh, we've lost track of that somewhere along the way. We get distracted, we get busy, we get, we, we, maybe we get confused, whatever the case. Just like the disciples seem to have maybe not caught all that, I think we don't catch it either. So I want you to listen again to that just that line and just let it sink in for just a second. As the Father, has Jesus talking to you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Catch that. Ruminate on it. Think about it. Uh, Picture yourself. uh, Jesus speaking these words because just as he spoke them to the disciples in that upper room, it applies to each and every one of us. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I am sending you. I'm sending you. You need to know something. You are sent. You are, you have been sent. There's there's purpose and direction in those words. There's no mistaking Jesus' intent here. He he appears to his disciples. He calms their fears. He he looks them in the eyes, and then he points them outward. He says, you can't stay here in this little room, all gathered together, afraid, wondering what's going to happen, paralyzed about what's next. You have just witnessed something life-changing. You've got to head out and let people know about it. He directs them to, to carry on the work that he's been doing. Jesus lived for others and he called his followers, he calls all of his followers to do the same thing. I, I, I wonder if, uh, if, if maybe we are, we are in danger of, uh, of losing the important reality of, of the gospel, uh, we, we apply it maybe to ourselves. And then it kind of stops. I, I don't know, we, we, we want, this is good news, right? We, we talk about the gospel being good news. Jesus has, has, has come, he has died for my sins, he's forgiven me, he's cleansed me, he's redeemed me, I'm a child of God. Woo, let's sing about it, let's dance, let's, I don't know that I saw any dancing this morning, but uh, let's, let's, let's be excited about what God has done for me, right? And we think that that's the finish line, and we've made it. And that's really the starting line because now that we're, we're saved, now that we're, we're redeemed, now that we're, we're a child of God, we've got purpose and direction because things, are, things, not things, people are lost and need to be found. It's good news not just for us but for a world that is lost. There's, there's purpose in our salvation, and that purpose is not to huddle up like those upper room disciples and avoid the world around us, and I think at times the, the church uh, does that. Uh, we need to be set apart and be holy, so we gather up and we, we make uh, what I've heard termed, we, we turn it into a holy huddle, and we all, uh, you know, a, a, a huddle, they're all focused in on, on what's inside the huddle, right? God doesn't call, our purpose isn't to be a holy huddle, Our our purpose is to take on the very character of Jesus, to be filled with his spirit, and to join him in the work that he has started, and uh, and, and, and he continues through us, and, and he'll complete it one day when he returns. We have to be living on mission for Jesus. Your salvation is not the end of the journey, it's the beginning. We, we say it all the time around here, at least I do, and, uh, and, and uh, don't get sick of it because I'm going to keep saying it because we live to love people to life. We live to love people to life. We have a purpose. We have a mission. That's, that's, that's our, our driving force. What we do as a church and what I hope you are living out individually in your life is when, what gets, up, gets you up in the morning and keeps you going. We live to love people to life. And it's not just we live. And we celebrate what God has done for us and we're living and we're, we're with God and that's great. Uh, we, we're, certainly we do celebrate that abundant life that we have in Jesus. The love and the hope and the, and the purpose and the, and, the, and, the, and the blessing that we enjoy as followers of God is indeed an awesome thing. But it's not just for us. We are on mission for God. We are sent. We are on mission to introduce people who don't yet know Jesus to that abundant life with Jesus. Maybe you're aware, maybe not. Maybe it's been a long time since you went through the uh, uh, membership class, or maybe you never have. There are three core values in our denomination, the Church of the Nazarene. We are Christian, we are holiness, and we are missional. It's one of the core things of who we are as a church. If you cut down to the very essence, the core, uh, one thing that we are is we are on mission. We are sent This says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So not only are we sent, but we need to look at how we are sent. And in order to look at how we are sent, we need to see how Jesus was sent. Because there's that little word in there that says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. That's the how word. How have I been sent? Well, I've been sent like Jesus was sent from God. I mean, it's amazing in and of itself that Jesus would send us, but then to think that we are sent in exactly the same way that Jesus was sent is, again, kind of mind-blowing. Uh, how was Jesus sent? Well, there's probably a whole lot of things, uh, just a, a few of them this morning. Uh, first of all, Jesus was sent obediently. John's gospel is, is full of instances where Jesus reminds his disciples that he lives in perfect obedience to the Father, Jesus obeyed his father's every instruction He was obedient to his father's will And so if we are going to live as sent people We will live as obedient people We have to obey what Jesus says We, we, we can't be followers of Jesus and disobey him Any more than Jesus could have been on mission But disobeyed his father So being on mission for, for God Being sent like Jesus Starts with obedience I think it's in your bulletin this morning, there's that list of measures, and, and uh, that, those are, that's just a great list to have uh, in measuring whether we're on track in our relationship with God. I think it's number two on the list says that, that, that I'm going to trust, am I trusting and serving God in everything? Trusting and obeying God in everything? Am I obeying God in everything? Well, if, if you want to have a downer morning, you ask yourself that first thing. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, there's always gonna be improvement to be made, but am I right now living in obedience to everything that I believe God has asked me? That's how, we can, that's how we can live. Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? When we're living a sent life, when we're on mission for God, it means that we're gonna do what he wants us to do and live the way he wants us to. To live. We'll do what he says, we'll go where he leads We'll say what he wants us to say Jesus was sent obediently He was also sent, and here's a, here's a, a $5 word for a Sunday morning Jesus was sent, whew, there's a lot of syllables in this one Incarnationally Yeah, and it doesn't mean that he was in the car No, incarnation, the Incarnation is a big theological term that talks about that Jesus, well, it's, it's spelled out in, in John, John 1 4. Uh, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Uh, incarnate, Jesus didn't just stay back there in heaven somewhere and say, hey, you need to do this. Jesus was sent by his Father to become like us, to step into life with us. He became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. I think it's the message uh, uh, where Eugene Peterson puts it. Uh, that that he, he put on flesh and, and moved into the neighborhood. He became part of life here in the world. The incarnation. The disciples then are directed by Jesus in that upper room. To leave the safety of that place. And to enter into the harsh realities of the world around them. They were sent to become part of the community there in order to draw them to God. Uh, They were to bear the life and the love of their Savior in their own bodies and to share it in the ways that, that we share with each other, person to person, eye to eye, heart to heart. So we need to live incarnational lives. You're doing this probably a lot without calling it that. That's just the, the, the theological term. We, we need to identify with people. We need to step into life with those around us. We need to not stand back here and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. We need to step in and say, hey, I found Jesus and you can too. Uh, I, maybe there's a better, let's talk, let's, and so we can work it out together. Again in the, in the message, uh, Eugene Peterson in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, he, he says it this way. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. I think that's one of the best descriptions of being sent as Jesus was sent. We let God take our everyday ordinary lives and we live on purpose, investing into the lives of others, our sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around, and as we're doing that, we're representing God in the world where we live. We're loving people to life. We go obediently, we go uh, incarnationally, and we go spirit-empowered, one one more aspect that uh, that that we see from Jesus that he was empowered by the holy spirit as he as he came I read there; it says that while they were gathered up there, Jesus breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." And and then that seems to be in contrast with, or or also almost in uh, in conflict with later in Acts chapter uh, uh, chapter one and two, where where Jesus says, "Hey, wait here until you receive the Holy Spirit." Even though back here on the, in the upper room, he breathed on him and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Uh, we could debate that, and we could talk about how to explain that. and All this, I don't want to get into that debate today. But simply, I think we want to recognize that. Uh, that, that Jesus operated under the power of the Holy Spirit and if we're ever going to live sent lives, loving people to life, it will only be effective if we live empowered by the Holy Spirit as well. The core of the good news is not only that God has acted mightily in history to save us, but he has provided the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to empower us. And so when Jesus sends us as his followers, he sends us in the power of the Holy Spirit, so it, it seems clear from Jesus' words that that we are sent, and that we are sent in a particular way, as Jesus was sent. But maybe we also need to look at why. Why would Jesus send us? There's a whole lot of reasons. I think it comes down to a couple of things we can, we can look at today, even as we think about then how to live this out practically and how it is being lived out practically through, through our denomination, through our church. One reason that we are sent is that people far and wide are lost. Just like my van and that airliner and that ring in the great New York City, uh, uh, there, there are people who don't yet know Jesus. And, and one way to think about that is that they're, they're, they're lost. They don't yet know the right way to go. Jesus told his disciples in Luke that, that he came, his primary purpose was to seek and to save what was lost. As, as we've already seen, the good news is for everyone, not just for us in our little huddle. Uh, it's for every tribe and tongue uh, far and near. Uh, in Matthew's version of, of this sending scene, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus told them to go and make disciples of all nations. This was... A huge thing because uh, they were Jewish which meant uh, the Jewish people were the people of God and so if they were going to uh, kind of live out their religion it was kind of you know th- it's us right it, we're, and, and Jesus said I want you to go away f- go and make disciples of everybody our message of hope isn't confined to a certain region or to a certain people group uh, one of the things I, I love about being part of the Church of the Nazarene uh, is that from its inception, we have taken Jesus' commission seriously. And if, if, I, uh, if any of us would, would go visit any continent on the planet, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't take us very long to find uh, people called Nazarenes, uh, the, uh, a local Church of the Nazarene. Our, our gospel heritage runs directly from the upper room in John 20 and reaches out to every nation because people are lost far and wide and we have been sent to find them. Another reason why Jesus would send us is that the mission is urgent and it keeps going on. There's, there's a need that continues. We, we believe that Jesus is, is coming back someday and that we have something, and this, this is part of what we need to be doing until he comes. The sacrificial incarnational spirit empowered work of Jesus is, uh, is stamped with the word urgent. Uh, this, is, this is urgent, this is uh, eternal stuff. Our salvation and sanctification aren't merely to protect us while we uh, hang out together and enjoy life and, and uh, eat food together, right? It's, it's not about that. We can enjoy life together and eat food. We're going to do it today, right? That's good. That's not all of it. That's, that, we're meant to, uh, th- this is all meant to propel us outward to the people in our circles of influence who need the hope that only Christ can provide. People are without hope when they are without Jesus, it's an urgent message, it's a mission that we're on, it has eternal consequences, and not only is it urgent, but it's ongoing, I don't know if you're aware of it, but statisticians tell us that, uh, that every day, uh, there are 250 babies born, Every I said every day, every minute, 250 babies born every minute, uh, the mission field continues to increase, all right, there are, there are new people literally every second, uh, Who is going to tell them the magnificent story of God? Who will befriend them with the authentic love of Christ? Who will be the hands and feet of Jesus in their neighborhood, in their school, in their workplace? Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. There's a responsibility there, isn't there? It's, it's not just something we can walk past and say, well, that's for other people. It's, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Maybe we could ask ourselves this question. If Jesus, this is maybe a question to consider in, in your personal prayer time. If, if Jesus was living my life, who would he reach out to? Maybe a few names come to mind. Uh, maybe you could ask it this way. If Jesus was living my life, who would he ignore or exclude? Maybe a few names come to mind, but those shouldn't come to mind, right? Because I I think you'd agree that the answer is he wouldn't exclude or ignore anyone because it's an urgent and ongoing mission to bring light and hope and life to people who are in need. You and I are sent, like Jesus was sent, to a world in need, and we need to be involved in reaching the people that God places in our sphere of influence, loving them to life. That can happen across the back fence or at the breakfast table or at work or wherever conversations might, uh, might, might spring up, wherever opportunities to serve might spring up. And one place that that happens that, that maybe goes on behind the scenes most of the time around here, and that is that we can participate in uh, the, the, the sending of, uh, of folks through Nazarene missions. Uh, that literally, although our church, uh, this local body here, uh, that, that, that uh, you know, we'll take mission trips from time to time and we'll go certain places here and there, our primary thing is, uh, is, is taking us right where we live. Well, there are other folks that need our support and help that are going literally to the corners of the world. Never understood that. There's a globe. I guess it's flat earth theory, which is a whole other thing that maybe we don't. Literally going around, the Church of the Nazarene has, uh, has churches and missionaries in 162 uh, world areas, 162 countries around the world. Uh, two and a half million members uh, the, the, teaching, preaching, uh, there's hospitals, there's schools, there's, there's uh, all sorts of things, meeting needs in Jesus' name. Uh, maybe you 're aware of that, maybe not uh, once a year at least, we spend time to let you know and remind you of that and then uh, and then we draw your attention to how you can help support that. It is a movement of God through the people of God, and uh, if uh, just right off the bat, if you uh, feel inclined and sense God calling you to something uh, away from your normal... Man, maybe I'm called to missions. Uh, Nazarene.org slash missions is a place to go and uh, and, and check that out. Uh, but I... I you can, you can see how you can do that short-term, long-term, uh, all those kinds of things. There are a couple of pamphlets and a card that you received today. Uh, we can't, uh, they, they kind of give a brief overview. That, so there's this one with the guy in the boat on the front that says, a movement of God through the people of God. And it gives a lot of the, uh, the detail to what she talked about there on the video of, um, of, of what, this, uh, what this is all about. Um, we can't all physically go, but we've all been sent uh, and so, one big ongoing way that that every one of us can participate in God's mission is to uh, make a faith promise. And every year, uh, this is maybe the seventeenth time I think I've asked you to do this in uh, in in the month of May to uh, to ask you to consider, uh, as God enables you, how you can help take the message of Jesus uh, literally around the world. One way that we can be sent is to continue to support those who are physically going, and that's what uh, what this card is all about. By making a faith promise, and so over the next twelve months, our challenge is to raise as a church uh, around seven thousand dollars that will be given directly to the World Evangelism Fund in the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, every church in the denomination gives five and a half percent of their income back to this mission of uh, of reaching the world uh, for uh, for Christ. For all eternity. So, in just a second, we will receive our offering. No, I didn't forget. Uh, some of you thought you were off the hook today. Um, we are going to receive our offering, and that would be the uh, the tithes and offerings that you brought to uh, to give today, as well as uh, you, your uh, your card that, uh, that that you say, "Yeah, I want to be part of uh, what God is doing around the world by supporting the World Evangelism Fund." You are here for a purpose. Uh, not to huddle up in the upper room and to keep all this life to yourself, but to represent him in the world where we live and it 's bringing the good news of the abundant life of Jesus to a lost world. There are pens in the seatbacks there uh, in just a second we 're going to pray, and then, as the offering plates come, I would challenge you to and maybe you say, "Well, can I give just a one time gift? Of course, you can do that as well. Um, I know it works for our family a lot to just man it 's and uh, we just uh, put a little bit in every week, and over the course of the year, it's kind of like, wow, we gave that much? That's pretty awesome. God has, uh, has moved and worked, and uh, I know that he does that. That story is retold through many of you and has been over the course, of, uh, the course of many years. Father God, thank you for your grace and for your blessing. Lord, it is mind-blowing to think that we are sent just like Jesus, that we are here to represent you in the world where we live Lord, our minds are, are open to, uh, to what you want for us. Maybe some of us uh, need to physically go. Maybe there's a, a mission opportunity where we need to uh, step out in faith and, and follow your lead. Lord, for, uh, uh, for all of us, we hear the challenge to, uh, to, to be a, a support to, uh, to those who are bringing your love and your life to the people in, in the far reaches of this world. And so, Lord, we pray for your direction, for your guidance, for your leadership in our lives, that we can truly be uh, the sent people of God in our uh, lives here in Medina, Ohio, and uh, literally around the world through our, through our gifts to the World Evangelism Fund. And we pray for those who are uh, literally on the ground uh, in countries uh, so far away from here, doing your work as you lead and guide. Father God, we pray for your blessing and your leading in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen.